Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea, and I'm joined today by Amanda Loudon, who has a little bit of a froggy, scratchy throat. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Good. Oh, it sounds a little better in the warm up. It was, uh, you sound like a very emotional older woman. Um, so. <laughs> now I'm just now i'm just going for sexy yeah okay very good okay we can ha- we can handle that like feeling like you're on the verge of tears the whole time that was going to be tough <laughs> um all right so so you have a virus in summertime okay i think that defies you know cdc uh you know guidelines or something but <laughs> i agree and, and and i don't get sick very often but this is my second one this year so i'm really not happy with that either so oh no oh no all right so hey so what are you working on for work what articles are you doing um so uh, i just had one drop today that i did on um female runners and um it was a new study that came out of ohio state it was a female runners division one track and field runners and um and the, the time to heal their stress fractures if they get them um and how it corresponds to their 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 bmis so mm-hmm. <laughs> Not surprisingly, the lower the BMI, and especially if it's below like a 19, mm-hmm. their their time for healing their stress fractures um, was much longer. Um, so and, that was kind of interesting. And um, for the for those who do, um, who don't know, BMI means body mass index. So you're basically saying yes. that the the um, less body fat they had, the longer it took them to heal a stress fracture. Yes, yes. And um, you know what was interesting about it was that for that population, for Division One track and field runners. I mean, it, it's it, there. It's a really difficult position for them because, you know, it's it's almost a given that they're going to be super low fat, super mm-hmm. lean. Um, you know, and that feeds into results. But they also walk this very very fine line, and they're they're going to get hurt, and then you know they're not going to be able to heal properly or quickly. You know, um, in these situations. So it's a it's a tough position for them to be in, and I don't really know what the answer is. So it also seems like you, you so often read about high-level runners, women runners with stress fractures. Like it, yes. it seems more prevalent almost than in the general population. Does it seem that way to you? Oh, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that you know, getting down to these very low weights, um, it, it impacts when they don't have the body fat. They're not hormonally developing as they should, and mm-hmm. and then you know their their bone. Um, durability just isn't there without the needed hormones. So, right, right, and yeah. certainly, certainly they do higher mileage. One might think than the than the average uh, Josephine yeah. runner, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, well, so that's yeah. interesting. Is that in uh, today's Wall Street Journal or not Wall Street Journal? Uh, Washington Post. Sorry, Washington Post. Yes, <laughs> it's in today's Washington. W A. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and then I'm doing one on uh, on uh, running and music for. Uh, sorry about that. Um, for. Uh, competitor right now which is kind of fun because i don't listen to music so um it's it's kind of interesting to me you know why why one person does one why one person doesn't and uh getting into all that so um it's kind of fun sorry it's that worthless house phone that i have that no one uses and i don't know why i have it <laughs> um, I would like to say we have uh, had it when when John put his elbow through a um, interior window. Uh, we did use the girls did use the family phone and a cell phone at the same time. So there is okay. there <laughs> is there is value. Yes. Um, so and he's fine now. Um, so uh, well, that's interesting. I because I I definitely appreciate the value of 
music while I run and notice such a big difference. Like if I listen to a podcast for, let's say, or, uh, you know, let's say the first hour of a long run and then listen to music. I mean, the second half of that run so often feels easier at the same pace, or I find myself running faster than I intend to, yet it doesn't feel like I'm, I'm knocking myself out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I think that, um, I haven't dug into it yet, but I'm sure, I'm sure there are studies out there about it. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, I, I think I know that that, that correlation is well established. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it's kind of fun though, cause they're letting me do a little essay, um, on the side talking about why I don't listen to music. Mm-hmm. So, I um, so it's a fun piece. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, if you need an ex, you know, a, a real woman, who, you know, a real woman runner uh, to be a, you know, a real life anecdote. I'm happy to, to say things for the record. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I actually talked to two Bammers for this. Oh, nice. So, nice. Yeah. That you found yeah. through another mother runner or just they happened? Yeah, well, I, I put the call out on Twitter and they follow me and, um, and they responded. So yeah. Good, 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 good. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice, nice. So, and I actually wrote about um, my kind of I wasn't, you know, like for a while I didn't listen to music. I thought like, oh, I have to be a purist. Like real runners don't listen to music. And um, and I'm like, who cares about that? I like listening to tunes. (laughs) Um, So, so yeah, I wrote a little essay about that in uh, Run Like a Mother, I think it was. I think I remember reading that. Yeah. 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 yeah, Yes. So, um, well, I'm headed next week to your side of the coast, your side of the country there, Amanda. I'm going to Connecticut with my kids uh, Wednesday night, the 21st, on the on the summer solstice. Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, taking a, taking a red eye on the summer solstice. There must be some sort of, um, I don't know, <laughs> chemistry in there, magic alchemy somehow. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> um, so we're going to spend about five days with my um, elderly parents in Connecticut. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, the kids were like, why such a short time? I'm thinking because when I take you out there, you're really bored and you hide out in the rooms. And I want you to if if you're there for a shorter time, you'll realize the urgency of interacting with these elderly people. Um, <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I, I that dynamic yeah yeah and um i mean they definitely seem i don't know the john definitely talks about like oh i'm really looking forward to sitting with poppy and um he plays um like a little game of toss with this big ball that um kind of helps with my in in a way it's a little bit like physical therapy for my dad and um, so, and we're going to a, um, an amusement park, Rye Playland, with my sister on Friday, because we did that last year and had a ton of fun. It's kind of old-timey and just the right size, like it's not overwhelmingly big. Yes, uh, you know, I did a triathlon there years ago. You did not? That, yes. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was all staged right there in the park. We swam right there, and um, yeah. <laughs> It was fun. Um, oh my gosh, because it, it's right on Long Island Sound, and um, yeah. is so there's a beach there. I've never seen the beach. I don't know if I would call it a beach. Uh, <laughs> it depends on what your definition of beach is, Sarah. Yeah, yeah, and and a little funny little side note to it all. My friend, her her husband is a trainer for the for the New York Rangers hockey team, uh-huh. and they have, hold their practices at that ice rink right there. Oh my at, goodness. Yeah, and so what, back when I did this, Gretzky was still with them, and we were able to go in and watch Wayne Gretzky at practice, which was really cool. Oh my gosh, how thrilling. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it really the, was. The great one. Alex is very excited. He's nodding, being like, yeah, that sounds like a good deal. <laughs> I know. It was, it was really cool. So yeah. <laughs> This is probably back the year Alex was born. I realized that Alex was born <laughs> 10 days before I graduated from college. 
Ah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, to be young again. Yes. <laughs> um, oh my goodness! So was it a sprint triathlon or what? What do you remember? Even it was Olympic distance. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Nice. And yeah. you traveled all the way from Maryland to go to Westchester County, New York. Yeah. Well, it was it was before kids, and um, and my friend lived up there, so oh, it was okay. you know yeah, it was a fun little getaway. So, oh, nice. um, but yeah, it is definitely a, a, you know an old fashioned, charming. Yeah. Um, yeah, amusement park. So that should be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have very pretty flowers, um, and um, uh, it is a kind of a bummer. They charge if you're not a resident of Westchester County, they charge you just to get in, even if you have no intentions of riding the rides. So oh, wow. yeah, which seems kind of like a bummer. So uh, my yeah. sister and I have no interest in riding the rides. And right. so, <laughs> um, so I can eat cotton candy with the best of them, but don't you dare put me on a ride. There you go. <laughs> Do you find that since you've had, were you ever a big amusement park rider or no? Not really, but I definitely, no way now, no way. Yeah, I mean, there is, I am convinced that like the equilibrium changes when you have a baby or go through pregnancy or something, because I mean, I used to, I mean, I had a, a apt amount of, of fear on rides, but I really enjoyed them and had a lot of fun and didn't, and you know, liked freaking out over them. Now it's like just sheer panic grips me and I feel so disoriented. And yeah. I mean, I can barely go on a swing. Like a regular, like, swing set swing without feeling kind of like, whoa, get me off this crazy thing. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, um, so yeah, so we're going to go to that on Friday. And um, Chalkley, my best friend who lives in Brooklyn, who I've mentioned a bunch of times on the podcast, she and her daughter and their hedgehog are coming out to see us on oh. Sunday. Um, they, um, I don't want to rat, I don't want to rat her out, haha, but um, they, so they live in Brooklyn. And um, so they have this hedgehog named Periwinkle, which I adore the color Periwinkle. So I love that they named their hedgehog that. And, uh, and so Chalkley was telling me when they first got Periwinkle, I'm like, oh, well, how'd you get around the law against having hedgehogs in New York City? She's like, what, what? And I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, you didn't know that it's illegal to have like small, like exotic animals, like ferrets and hedgehogs. And I can't even think, I don't know. I don't know what else, other times. I'm like, yeah, no, it's illegal in the five boroughs to have it. She's like, oh, okay, well, let's just keep Periwinkle under wraps. So um, oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. So they, um, so she and her daughter are going to, I think it's Providence for most of the weekend. And so they'll take, I think they're, they have a parakeet or some type of little caged bird that sings and, um, and Periwinkle. So they'll have that in the car with them. And they did this last year and my kids love Periwinkle. I mean, who doesn't love a little tiny hedgehog? Um, right, right. And, uh, so, so we then Funny. snuck them down into this, the, my parents finished basement. So they didn't even know that they had a hedgehog in their, in their midst. Um, we, we told them afterwards, but <laughs> so, so anyway so so they'll come out and spend some time at my parents house as well so um I'm lo- really looking forward to being out there and um you know I don't need yeah, to tell you right. you know you never know is it going to be the the last time so um yeah and especially when you live so far apart you know then you don't get to see him very often oh yeah that, oh that saying goodbye thing I mean I just try to take as many mental snapshots as I can and really you know yeah. make, make sure I tell my dad I love him and, and I don't want to yeah. go there and, yeah. and get you upset but I, you, you I know you oh, know no, no, I, okay. I know you know what I'm talking about um yeah, yeah. 
definitely yeah, yeah so um yes and and my mother I get my optimistic streak from my mother she's always like oh your dad's so much better and um I'm like mm, what's our definition of better but right right <laughs> um so um yeah 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 so it, it's it's all good and I'm looking forward to going out there um so yes good, good. yes 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 good. so well um our guest today is Jessica Crandall a registered dietitian in the Denver area specializing in weight management and sports nutrition and we'll be talking about all sorts of aspects of nutrition with her. Um, a mom of one, Jessica is also a certified group fitness instructor and a runner. And we'll dive into talking nutrition after this brief break. Welcome, Jessica. We're excited to talk with you. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So you're a runner and a fitness instructor. Um, <clears throat> what's, what's an average workout week for you? So I live in the beautiful state of Colorado, so I get to enjoy the outdoors and being active every single day, Mm -hmm. um, whether that be running or biking or hiking. Um, I also like to do CrossFit, so my activities vary, um, and as a fitness instructor, I teach spin boot camp um, as well as bar classes. So it it varies from week to week, depending on how beautiful the weather is and how inspired I am to get outside. But I um, try and make that the majority of my workouts. Wow. Wow. It sounds nice. Sounds a little bit like maybe you think of those classes, though, as your job, not as your workouts. I think maybe they'd count as workouts, too. Yeah, it depends on the class. You know, when I'm teaching cycle or spin, um, I definitely know I still get a really good workout. But if I'm teaching bar or personal training, you know, it's not, it's not a workout for me. It's a workout mm-hmm. for my clients. So it really depends on the type of activity that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that I'm active every single day, you know, between 30 to 60 minutes. And if I have more time for um, my daughter being engaged in another activity, I might be able to go for a longer run. And that's always a good moment of bliss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jessica, uh, when we spoke briefly on the phone last week, you told me you'd had an unusual mishap on your morning run involving a manhole, and I told you to save the story for the podcast. So so now is the time to tell the full version of that story. Oh, yes. You know, I'm, I'm sure as many of us runners have experienced, we've all wondered if a manhole can carry your weight or if it's really secure. And um, I've always been the type of runner who's trusted them. However, I was out of my morning run and um, stepped on a manhole and I guess the screw was loose so the manhole flipped and oh my gosh. both my legs went inside and I'm really lucky I didn't break an ankle. Wow. Um, I ended up actually just looking like a six-year-old who has really scuffed knees and a, a little bit of a sprain but um, it didn't stop me. I was able to get back up and you know continue forth and you know keep going and not until I got home did I realize that my knees were pretty pretty scraped up and I'm, I'm grateful that I not only made it home but uh that that wasn't seriously injured so wow so um, so it totally tripped you up like you fell to the ground on your hands oh and yeah knees. Fell, fell to the ground hands on the floor knees on the ground sat there for a good minute recovering taking a few deep breaths and mm-hmm. and decided that I still wanted to keep going and you know I could have <laughs> I could have hobbled back but uh but ultimately I dedicated that time to myself and um you know, running is a good form of therapy for myself and just time for myself. So I, I wanted to make sure I continued forth. And, and so I was able to do that and glad that I was able to do. That. Oh my God. So I take it now you're going to avoid manhole covers. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I, I very much um, do not want to have another one of those moments. And, you know, I know, you know, 
Carrie Bradshaw, Samantha, you know, that whole scene of her falling in the manhole a long time ago <laughs> at that show made me laugh as sex in the city. I was like, oh yeah. my gosh, that would never happen. Um, and although it wasn't the same kind of a manhole, it, it felt somewhat similar. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I also wow. think we should take a pause to think about how, what a funny word manhole is. And then I, th- I think maybe we ought to use that now as, as a pejorative, like, oh my God, you're being such a manhole. Um. I know. <laughs> and I was like, who didn't put the screw in the lid? You know, and it was right. like, I was like, okay, it's nobody's fault. It's like, you know, but it's, I, I mean, we've all had those moments where we have been able to catch ourselves running and mm-hmm. you know, re, re, get back onto our feet and continue forward, or maybe times that we've fallen and we look around and hope nobody else has seen mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it was definitely one of those mornings where I'm like, well, I definitely didn't have any coffee, <laughs> <laughs> but that really wasn't my fault. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. All right. So, and you, you also told me you started running while pregnant for the sake of efficiency, which I bet is leading a slew of people listening to nod their heads in agreement oh, because gosh. I know I am. Um, so can you, can you expand on this a little bit? Yeah. So, um, I never really thought I was going to be able to run. Um, I have a really bad back, several, you know, discs that are compressed and, mm. um, scoliosis and spondylolisthesis and all these fun back terms that nobody really likes to talk about. And so I thought that kind of my running was not going to be in my future at all. Um, but when I was pregnant, I had a, a lasting in my body and my body felt really good. My back felt really good. And I knew I was just short on time. So I was like, I'm just going to, you know, jog for 10 minutes and see how I feel. And I felt great. Mm. And one of my friends and I started running together. Her name was Liza. And we turned one mile into two, into three. And, um, you know, we continued running until I was about, you know, 30 weeks pregnant. Um, And I felt great. Mm. So it was something also that made me feel like, after I had my daughter um, that I could actually engage in pretty quickly without taking too much time away from her. Mm -hmm. And it didn't have to be a big endeavor of like going to the gym, packing a bag, you know, checking her into childcare or whatever. I didn't, I just didn't feel like that was a good use of her and my time. Mm -hmm. And so after she was born, that was another great way of continuing to. Nice. Nice. Great. So speaking of your daughter, um, word is word on the street is that she's seven years old and that she wanted to be pushed in her stroller, in her running stroller, until she was six years old. Oh, so. yes, yes. And she wasn't a light six-year-old either. You know, she's <laughs> she's super tall. She's above the 95th percentile for height. And she, you know, she just enjoyed going for these long rides. And um, I was in the midst of training for a marathon. And so she would be happy to sit in the stroller and look at, you know, the outdoors, but she didn't really want to partake in scootering next to me or, you know, riding a bike next to me. She really just wanted to chill out and be pushed. And for the longest time, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much work. And I was so thankful to finally give up my Bob stroller, even though I loved that thing. Uh Um, And it was such a saving grace for the first six years of her life. After that, I was like, okay, (laughs) your time is up. You're out. (laughs) No more long stroller rides for you. Um, You know, although I, even now running next to her, um, she is riding, will be riding her bike and I'll have to push her, which I think is just as much work. Cause if you're running up a hill, and for those of you that have kids that are, riding bikes next to you when you run you know it's it's a true challenge when you're 
pushing someone and trying to run up a hill uh-huh. um, and make sure they stay balanced and everything. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So that was, that, that's been fun. It's a good mom memory. Check that off my list of things to do is push a, you know, 50 pounds, six year old in a, in a stroller. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Now, now let's shift to your work. So um, in the intro, I ID'd you as a registered dietitian, but I see that you're really a registered dietitian nutritionist. So t- right. talk us through the distinction and tell us what draws you to helping others manage their nutrition. Right. So I um, have the blessing of being able to counsel people when it comes to exercise as a personal trainer and fitness instructor and also being a nutrition professional. Um, So as a registered dietitian, I continued forth with my desire to help people engage in healthier lifestyle habits in their nutrition choices that they eat every single day, whether that be, you know, the person who's trying to plan out their menus and be healthier all the way to disease prevention and disease management. So um, I'm also a diabetes educator as well. And so that's something that I enjoy helping to prevent disease as well as disease progression. So um, as we often do when we have a nutritionist on the show, we turn to the Another Mother Runner Facebook page to call questions for this podcast. And um, rather than have them be kind of pell-mell, I tried to group them together um, for weight management or loss um, around the run and nutrients. And we're going to start with uh, weight management or loss. And there were specifically several calorie questions, which I hope won't make you groan too much. No, no, I think it's really challenging. And, you know, as... As I was running my first um, marathon or long distance run, anything more than a half marathon, I was really surprised at how little calories I was actually burning. I was like, I deserve a lot more than that. (laughs) (laughs) And so sometimes I think calorie confusion is something that we see as runners um, and as active individuals. Although exercise is a really great way of burning calories, um, our fork to our mouth can add up really quickly. And so we have to be careful. We have to be cautious of the things that we're consuming. So I'm happy to answer those questions. Oh, good. Well, you have tapped right into the very first one, which comes from both Andrea and Leslie. And they want to know how to figure out how many calories they should be eating during training so they don't gain weight. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of them, I think it was Andrea, said that she did when she trained for her marathon this spring. And she said they want to know how they can not gain weight but also not be starving. And um, Mm -hmm. is there a chart or some other kind of formula to use? Yeah, so I, you know, it's really interesting. A lot of my clients who are working on running and weight loss, it doesn't work that well together, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's because we sometimes overassume how much, how many calories we're eating, um, or how many calories we're burning. I'm sorry. So how many calories we're burning? And so, you know, we need to be cautious and really say, how many do I need, and how many am I burning? Um, the caloric consumption that an average female has for every um, hundred pounds you are you're burning about a thousand calories and so if you were 150 pounds um, you'd be burning around 1500 calories a day at rest Mm -hmm. if you have a good healthy normal metabolism and then any additional calories you burn from activity let's say a run it's about 100 calories for every 10 minutes you're active. So if I go on a 30-minute run and I'm 150 pounds, my caloric burn from resting metabolism as well as activity is around 1,800 calories. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? 
Yep, yep. Even I could, even this English major could follow along with that math. Okay. Thank you. So that would very be good. about eight, and that's a very good rough estimate. Um, but that's about eighteen hundred calories that you would be burning. So you, if you're trying to lose weight, you'd have to eat slightly under that in order to yield any type of notable weight loss. Okay. Um, we've also known that there's about thirty five hundred calories in one pound. So you know, be be careful with how much you're cutting. You don't want to cut too quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and still starving, as they mentioned. Mm-hmm. So a good, you know, don't go less than 1,200 calories. You'll just, you'll hate me and everyone else around you. <laughs> um, and really make sure that you're fueling yourself appropriately, still getting adequate amounts of protein, because protein helps your muscle mass to stay on board so that you keep your metabolism going. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, our next set of questions <clears throat> deal with age and um, calories. And um, Dina wants to know if she should change her diet after the age of 45. Um, she said she feels like she's gaining weight even though she's exercising and eating um, healthy. And um, she wants to know if she should try to cut back caloric intake, and if so, by what? And then Chris piped in on that, and she wants to know if your nutrition needs change in menopause and um, mm-hmm. what the... the um, impact of weight gain is on running and eating to maintain muscle mass. Right. So I always say in your 20s, let's just say you weighed 120 pounds and didn't care what you ate. You ate anything and everything. And that's pre- that was pretty much me. I don't know how I became a dietitian. That was, I think my parents probably laughed when I said that's what I was going to become. They're like, sure you are. Um, and everyone's going to seek counseling from you. But in your 30s, you started to care more about what you ate and you started to be more active. And in your 40s, you really are fine-tuning things and going, why is my weight going up? You know, and I'm more cautious of things. But your metabolism does change as you get older. It does decrease. And so um, one of the things in your 40s to 50s, I'm always telling my clients is that it's really important to make sure you have protein on board because protein helps to make sure you have enough muscle mass for that metabolism. So 20 grams of protein up to 30 grams of protein per meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I will truly say that most women that I talk to are getting about eight grams on average for breakfast. You know, it's a piece of toast with some peanut butter on it as they walk out the door. Hmm. So that's an improvement I think we need to make in order to keep our metabolism and our muscle mass healthy. Um, also, your needs change because um, you're, you may be doing some caloric cutting um, or maybe you've done some calorie restriction in the past that hasn't really helped out your metabolism. And by doing caloric cutting, sometimes we miss out on food groups that are important or nutrients or vitamins that are important. Um, One of those being calcium and vitamin D. Mm -hmm. And as we get older, we know the concerns for brittle bones and osteoporosis. So I strongly suggest you're getting at least three servings of dairy a day, which Mm -hmm. is a a calcium and vitamin D rich food, Mm -hmm. um, or making sure you're supplementing appropriately because your green leafy veggies are not going to get you there. So that kind of addresses, you know, as we age, we do have different nutrients that change. Um, Even B12 as we get older uh, may diminish. And so that's something that sometimes we need to make sure we're getting adequate amounts in our diet or supplement additionally. Oh, and what what type of foods have B12 in them? Um, Things like your whole grains typically have B12 in it. So once again, if you're really being restrictive with calories, sometimes that can uh, diminish your Uh your quality of B12 that you're consuming. So whole grains and oats and, um, you know, you can also get it in supplementation. Sometimes it's 
often over supplemented in vitamins and minerals. So, um, and that's okay because it's a water soluble vitamin. So you just typically get rid of it in your urine, but, um, that's something to make sure you're getting adequate amounts of. Okay. And we're, when we get down to the nutrient sections, we're going to touch on a couple more of these, but, um, for once in my life, I'm going to stick to the, I'm not going to jump around. I, uh, so, um, so, um, so on the, uh, so we had, you know, Dina who was, um, looking at menopause and then on the still fertile side, Emily asks, she says she's delivering her third baby in August. So congratulations, Emily. Um, and she says she can't wait to get back to running both to start training for my first triathlon and half, and also to lose some of this baby weight. She says a lot of baby mm-hmm. weight. I would be in the Athena class of runners to begin with, which for those of you who don't know is typically over 150. And um, so how does she balance breastfeeding, weight loss and running via calorie intake? Yeah, that's, you know, the one thing with breastfeeding, although it's really good for baby, it's really good for you, is that you really have to make sure you're not cutting calories um, too significantly as it does diminish your supply of breast milk. Mm-hmm. Um, we've all seen that happen, and we've all seen maybe it's just because we're too busy or we're actually making a conscious effort to cut calories, and we see that it doesn't have any kind of good payoff for you or baby when it comes to production. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure we're maintaining good fluid intake, and that we're getting enough protein um, and even enough carbohydrates. So it's a fine balancing act between those macronutrients. And so I just say cut back on portions, um, Mm -hmm. but still make sure you're fueling yourself appropriately. But portion control during breastfeeding can be really helpful in making sure you're still getting the nutrients your body needs so that you can produce appropriately. Okay. Now, uh, Jennifer has what I think is an interesting one. Um, she wants to know what your take is on intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. uh, specifically if you're running before the fast period is broken, will it break down muscle? Um, and, and is it okay as long as you're properly refueling right after the run? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the intermittent fasting is something that I think is interesting, especially when it comes to elite athletes, um, like your Olympic athletes. And um, there may be some interesting science that comes into play with uh, how that fuels your your cells, your glucose that you can utilize during exercise. Um, however, for most of us, I don't think it has any real significance. Hmm. Um, so I think that the best thing to do is make sure that you have some sort of carbohydrate or carbohydrate and protein mixture prior to going out on your run. A yogurt's a great example of that. Mm-hmm. and then follow up with protein after. And that's where the largest body of evidence and support in making sure you obtain a healthy weight or lose weight is really going to lie. Mm. And the you mean with the maintaining that healthy weight, you're saying with the post-run or the like the two of them combined, the pre-run snack and the, the post-run with refueling? With both of them. With oh. both of them. So the pre-run snack or mini meal followed by the post-run protein. Oh, that's intriguing. um, Because so now these questions are going to be revolve around the run and um, sort of related to Jennifer's question. Lauren was asking for good small snacks to eat before an early morning run. You already mentioned yogurt. What are what are some other ones? So it depends on what you can digest. And so I never like to change anything that, you know, is especially for those of you that are getting ready for a race. um, Just, you know, be cautious of that because what you eat does change. Um, how you fuel yourself and so I think and how you feel so Mm -hmm. you know do something like do something that's easily digestible I like to do like a half a banana and a 
some peanut butter on it just right before a run. Um, the yogurt and even some fresh berries on the top of it is another great option. Um, a glass of milk is a great option because there's some carbohydrates and proteins in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you can tolerate more or feel like you need more, you know, doing um, a half of an English muffin with peanut butter on it. Um, I like to put chia seeds in there as well for a little bit of fiber and protein, calcium, and iron. And something to pick out of your teeth for the first couple miles to keep you I know, it gives you some good entertainment to think about. <laughs> it totally does. Oh my gosh. I mean, you go either that or eating raspberries before a run. And my gosh, I can like be, you know, working it with my tongue for at least like two or three miles. And then the satisfaction right. of finally getting out of the, from the teeth or maybe it's right. just my teeth. And, I don't know. Well, <laughs> no, no, you're totally right. Um, if someone's judging your teeth when you're running, they have way too much time on their hands. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, there's some interesting interesting research that goes along with like chia seeds and hydration and helping you to maintain your hydration status mm-hmm. and we know that even just a one percent decrease in hydration while you're running really impacts your performance it slows your time you know you feel like you're really grinding out that mile and so really making sure you maintain hydration during your run is really important so you're saying that that taking in chia seeds before a run could could be helpful in helping you maintain stay hydrated right, oh, right. And even some people are able to do it during. I'm not able to do that. I feel like it messes up my stomach. But mm-hmm. um, that some some people actually do chia in their drinks while they're running. If they're not going out for more than six miles, they can, you know, and, usually maintain hydration. And do you think it's? And I promise, Amanda, I'll let you ask a question. But that um, so so that I'm intrigued by this because I have a bag of chia seeds from Trader Joe's that I've never broken open. And um, <laughs> so I mean, could I just like put it in my noon before I, you know, and let them? kind of plump up while I'm, I don't know, tying my shoes and getting a signal on my GPS or whatever, and then drink mm-hmm. it and it'll help me stay yeah. hydrated. Oh, yeah, I, I, like, so I like You this. can mix it into your yogurt. You can mix it into your peanut butter. You can mix it into a drink that you're having for your run. Oh. Um, but that's, and it doesn't have to be much. Okay. So let's just be honest. It's like a teaspoon is totally adequate. Um, so you don't have to do like tablespoons in order to get that, that benefit. <laughs> to make it look like, uh, you know, like a tapioca, uh, what a, a bubble tea. We don't need to be making it look like bubble tea before we go out. Uh, <laughs> right. No. <laughs> your, no. Your daughter's too young to know from bubble tea. Amanda's bubble tea like a huge thing in Maryland or no? Um, no, we have a place at the mall, but I don't, I've never... I don't think my kids have ever asked to have it. Oh so, my yeah. gosh, my kids love, but oh, it's so just, oh. I mean, I like, you know, Tobiko and things like that, but uh, bubble tea. Anyway, anyway, I've di- I've digressed. Now I've really gone off, off track, so. Well, and some, some of us, it's interesting. Some of us can do caffeine while we run. Some of us can't. Mm-hmm. Some of us can do chia seeds while we run. Some of us can't. So like I said, with anything new that you're getting ready to put into your diet, mm-hmm. um, you know, test it out in small amounts and see how it makes you feel. Um, and just know that everyone's digestion changes and is different. So, um, be willing to experiment, but if it doesn't work for you, you know, Mm-hmm. feel free to use me as a resource again for future because I'm happy to give other recommendations that actually might work better for you. Oh, good. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, so Teresa wants to know if, um, what your thoughts are on carbo loading prior to racing distances longer than 10 K mm-hmm. and if it's beneficial. So we used to think that it was really beneficial. And um, what we've seen is that actually it's not as beneficial as what we would have liked to believe. Most of us now crave the pasta before we go out on a long run. We're like, oh, I really need a carb load. Um, But research has shown that that balance of that healthy meal where you have carbohydrates, proteins, healthy fats, you know, 
that is going to yield the best energy for you to have on your your next run. Oh, interesting. And okay. when was this? When when did some of this research come out? Because it definitely sounds like I mean it's new yeah. since our second book. Uh, you came know, out. I can, I would say within the last two years, it's been definitely something that we're promoting more of that balanced meal than the carb loading. So I can def I can pull the research for you and put it in as a link if you'd like. Oh, okay. All right. But that's, um, it's always, it seems like there's always swirling, you know, new news, old news, what, you know, what's, what's good, what's not is kind of changes like the weather practically. Well, and I think that if I go behind the science and help you understand that it might make a little bit more sense, mm -hmm. but your glucose cell can only hold so much. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like the story of the three little bears. You don't want too little carbohydrates because <laughs> that will make you feel horrible and you'll be grumpy. You don't want too many carbohydrates because there's not really a way to store them mm. efficiently for you to fuel your energy cycle. And so you can only pull so much of it from that. So if you've eaten a huge plate of pasta the night before, only so much is going to actually be used for energy that next morning for that run. Mm. So, and then we, like I said, have identified the importance of protein helping us to sustain that energy um, and to sustain that muscle mass. And so really, those three players of carbohydrates, pro proteins, and fats are all crucially important before you go out on the long run. Okay, so can we now call that the Goldilocks balance? Yes, okay. I like Because <laughs> we need a catchphrase. We need to... <laughs> Totally, totally. Yeah. So balance it out. <laughs> balance those locks out. <laughs> so on, on Facebook, uh, Nicole was asking for some real food options to eat on a run, especially since mm -hmm. she admits she doesn't eat much pre-run. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, one of my clients used to take a half of a peanut butter and jelly with him. And he's like, it doesn't matter if it's squished. That's the way I ate it growing up. And I'm like, <laughs> true. <laughs> so I personally don't like that because it reminds me of that growing up. But um, that was a great idea is, you know, having a half a peanut butter and jelly in the, you know, back backpack that you're carrying your water pack or something like that would be a great option. Mm -hmm. Um the fruit that, you know, they pass out as another option. Sometimes trail mix is a good option. Personally, mm -hmm. I think it's way too much to chew. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So that's where some people default to, like, drinks and goos and gels and chews. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fine, that's fine, too. You really have to find what works for you. But when it comes to those whole food options, smoothies also work. Mm -hmm. um, so that could be something where you have some milk and some fruit in a smoothie, blenderize it together. You could put some like dehydrated peanut butter or regular peanut butter in there to give it a little bit of thickness, a little bit of protein as well. And you would advise, and if people could, if their stomach can handle it, they could drink that while they're out on a run? Absolutely. Wow. You need an awful big spout on the, you know, the... Yeah, I mean, you want to make sure it's thin enough. That's totally true. You want to make sure it's thin enough. I know it wouldn't go through my, like, camelback or anything like that. But <laughs> yeah, we don't advise that. No, 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 no. <laughs> it depends on what you're carrying. So, so personally, you know, I like to eat before I run because I hate carrying one more thing. You know, I already mm -hmm. have enough with my phone and my water bottle and things like that. But um, if I'm going out on a longer run, I'll, I'll put stuff in my camelback that I can actually take with me if I need to. Mm -hmm. Okay, and side note, dehydrated peanut butter, I have never heard of such a thing. Oh, you have. It's um, like probably PB2 maybe. Um, mm. Have you heard of that? That's a no. brand name. Huh. Um, there's a lot of even generic brand names. I know Jif has come out with a dehydrated peanut butter now, hmm. but it's where it takes out the fat and it's just the protein essentially and the flavor. 
And so you can add that. I personally, if I'm making like an Asian dish at night, I did this the other night where I made an Asian dish and I mixed a little bit of PB2 um, into the Asian dish so that I got like a peanut sauce. Mm -hmm. And it's a lower calorie option, but still very flavorful. Hmm. Huh. And where would I find that in the store? Uh, so you find it sometimes in the baking section. Hmm. Um, that's usually where I find it. Or sometimes in, in the health section of your grocery store. If you're if your store, I feel like all grocery stores are converting over to mostly being healthy throughout the whole entire thing, but sometimes <laughs> there will be one specific aisle that's uber healthy. Right, right. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to look for it and think of you, Jessica, when I find it. Yeah. It's delicious. I would highly recommend trying it because it's something that can be easily added into a smoothie, like I said, or I like to make um, for my daughter and for myself, let's be honest, <laughs> um, those popsicles, you know, you remember those when you were a kid and you put different things into the popsicle container like a smoothie mix or mm -hmm. like I'll take a banana and some milk and peanut butter and some cocoa powder and mix that in and put that into the little popsicle containers oh. and have that as a healthy treat after dinner or when it's too hot outside and my daughter's just craving ice cream. Oh, Jessica, I want to come to your house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dimity lives in Denver, so I might. You better watch it because I'll <laughs> I'll be stopping you by. Know, going back to that other question, um, as we were talking about food items, one of the things that I like to do, and I have never brought this on a run, so that's just being honest. But I think that this would be a very portable option. Is I'll take um, two bananas, a half a cup of oats, and mash that down mm. um, with a tablespoon of peanut butter. Mix it in really well. Cook it 350 for about 10 minutes in the oven. And it makes a cookie, and oh. you can even throw some, um, you know, chocolate nibs in there. Mm -hmm. uh, that makes like a protein or a carbohydrate cookie that you can take with you on your run. So mm -hmm. there's a little bit of protein, a little bit of carbohydrates. You know, it's a very healthy option. That might be a great option. Oh, that sounds tasty. I use that for also a healthy des dessert treat mm -hmm. um, for our family that I can whip up a healthy cookie in a second. Wow. Well, that's a good because I actually have I, I have so many bananas in our freezer. Like we, they just all went ripe at the same time. I'm like, oh, I can't make that much banana bread. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm thinking that might be there. That might be where they end up. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so we've got a question from Carol Lee, and she says that she's recently given up sugar, grains, and dairy. Um, so she wants to know the best way to fuel during her long runs without using chews or goo or um, just looking for more natural sources of energy. Yeah, and I think that is a pretty common trend that we're seeing with people who are following kind of that paleo or caveman diet, giving up grains and dairy, um, you know, added sugars. So that's, that's common that I'm seeing clients start to shift towards those dietary changes. Um, I, as a dietitian, I have to be honest and say, you know, I really am cautious, especially with my female active clients, to make sure they're getting enough calcium and vitamin D if they're making that modification. So if they're cutting out dairy, whether that be because of a food allergy or dietary preference, just make sure you're supplementing appropriately. Mm -hmm. um, and then, or eating like tofu or something like that, that might be another good source of calcium and vitamin D. Um, when it comes to her question about what to fuel with, I would say fruit is a great natural energy source that I would utilize for those runs. Mm -hmm. um, and even if it's dehydrated fruit, if it makes it more portable for you, like banana chips um, or dried fruit or dehydrated fruit are great options. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So this next question comes from Marie, and it's an intriguing question. I it's definitely I don't think the situation applies to everyone listening. I know it doesn't, but um, I thought maybe there'd be some takeaway messages in it for a lot of folks, and it's kind of a longer question. And Marie says, "I am a WLS runner. That means." that I've had gastric bypass surgery to assist me in losing weight. Over the past two and a half years, I have lost 180 pounds, which Marie, I totally, totally applaud. Um, And one of the side effects of the surgery is the dreaded sugar dump, which is basically the consumption Mm -hmm. of a food with high sugar content and my stomach not being able to process it. So it dumps right into my bloodstream, causing a rapid heart rate, sweats, dizziness, and sometimes GI issues. For longer mm-hmm. runs, I've used peanut butter pouches and crackers to help fuel me, but they are so dry and leave me needing more liquids <laughs> and sometimes weigh on my stomach. Um, okay. And so um, are there any good fueling options that you can suggest for longer runs that aren't sugary carb-based to prevent this sugar dump? So it's interesting with bariatric surgery. Um, I've been a bariatric dietitian for over 10 years, and oh. I've helped clients to run marathons, do Ironmans, and... It is um, a little bit of a science because we know that most people do not tolerate more than 15 grams of carbohydrates um, at a time. And so you have to be cautious. Um, That's where I think uh, if she can tolerate a milk or a lower carbohydrate yogurt, that might be an option. But I would dilute like a, I know this sounds weird, but I would dilute a um, Gatorade, something that has carbohydrates in it so that she can have that in her water pack throughout her run so that she's constantly getting some glucose, but mm-hmm. not an excessive amount. So usually I would say, you know, if you're going out on a long run, um, you know, unless you're going out on a long run, you don't really need those kind of carbohydrate replacement or electrolyte replacement drinks. However, with having a malabsorptive surgery, such as gastric bypass, if you do lose that to half strength, that might be a good option for you. And mm-hmm. if you're looking for more food options, I personally, I, I think a banana is an easy way to go because it gives you carbohydrates. It is a natural, very packable source of um, nutrition that you can carry with you. And I just was at Whole Foods yesterday. I noticed in the bulk section that they have like basically whole dried bananas. I mean, they're peeled. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I, at first I looked at them, I'm like, oh, that looks really kind of nasty. It looks like a, a yeah. slug, but um, uh, <laughs> I live in the Pacific Northwest. I know what slugs look like. So, but I think, I mean, I think that might be, I mean, they take up a whole lot less room than a regular banana. Right. And then you don't right. get, you, you know, I don't know. And going back to that added sugars question, people ask that often, they'll say, you know, um, well, doesn't dried fruit have a lot of added sugar? Dehydrated fruit has typically less added sugar. So that would be something for this patient that I would say Mm. to check out. And there are dehydrated mangoes and um, things like that that are absolutely delicious that I know they sell at Trader Joe's and um, Mm -hmm. other grocery stores that are like, you know, more health focused um, throughout those types of places. So those are the stores that we have in Colorado, at least. But I would I would say try all that and see if that helps and um, if it doesn't, like I said, I think it is something that we can talk off to the side maybe about so that you get really you get through that and still can accomplish your goal. Mm-hmm. But praise you in the 180 pounds that you've lost. That's a great success. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, Jill has a question. She's wondering, and I think it's something probably a lot of people wonder about. Um, she said after a workout, she feels like eating everything in the cupboard and um What's a good way to combat this and what should she eat post-workout so that she doesn't eat everything in sight? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I think so many of us end up starving afterwards. Exercise does have typically, for about half of the clients, will have 
almost that anorexic type of effect where you don't feel hunger mm-hmm. after you're active. But for the other half of us, we end up feeling very active, very hungry after we're active. Mm-hmm. So um, making sure you fuel up on first fluid, then fiber, then food. Mm. So that's typically my rule. So if you're dehydrated that, dehydrated, that can actually lead you to a false sense of hunger. So I would grab a you know, 20 ounce glass of water and make sure you're just sipping on that. Um, fiber, I encourage fruits and vegetables in your fridge already kind of pre-cut up uh, or, you know, making your own like little mini veggie tray. That's a great option. So focusing on that fiber second and then food um, to help you kind of replete those calories that your body needed after that run. And don't go for the mindless lunching snacks that are in the cupboard. Stick to the ones that you can, the things that you can find in your refrigerator that are actually going to replenish that fuel source and help you to feel full and satisfied. Mm-hmm. And it's such a great time of year to be able to have those options on the fiber count. I mean, I'm thinking watermelon, berries, all different sorts Cherries. of... Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many great options right now. I know mm-hmm. mangoes is something that we have in our house right now, too, that I, we love having. Oh, um, I love those mangoes. Yeah, those pears mangoes. Those, um, the, those types of mangoes that are so popular right now, I live on those things. I just adore them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, one of the other things I like to do is I'll take a... Um, the veggies can be pretty boring by themselves for some of my clients. So I'll say mix like a dry ranch packet seasoning into a Greek yogurt, oh. uh, plain Greek yogurt, and that becomes a really good dip. So that makes it a little bit more interesting and fun. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. So, and Beth has somewhat of a follow-up question and I'm tag team it with something from Tasha. So Beth says, post long run, what are quick healthy options to start the refuel process, particularly during summer months when the heat and humidity make me feel nauseated and not want to eat and how soon to eat them? And um, you've already suggested Tasha's now that I see your favorite um, whole foods post run refuel. So I love doing after a long run, I try and run in the morning before it gets too hot. So if that's in the morning, I like doing um, some eggs over, um, I call it uh, a sweet potato hash. So I take sweet potatoes, dice it up in a skillet, um, eggs. I might throw in some chicken apple sausage in there, black beans, salsa. Mm. That's my mm. like perfect ideal mm. post run. I'm definitely coming to your house, Jessica. I'm just saying that right now. (laughs) It's so easy. It's honestly so easy. And the nice thing about sweet potatoes is you can make them in the oven and then just have them, you know, already kind of ready for you to use. Um, But I also take sweet potatoes and put peanut butter in them if I just want a quick option. Um, That's another great, more savory, uh, savory option for protein and some healthy refueling carbohydrates. So like a um, so like a baked sweet potato, kind of slice it down the middle and plop in some peanut or almond butter or something. You got it, or even mm. that that dehydrated peanut butter that we were I talking know, about. I know, I know our yeah, my new go. friend dehydrated peanut butter. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, sometimes if it's hot outside and you you feel like a maybe a salad, adding black beans and quinoa to a salad would be a great option to get some of that protein back in and some of that those good healthy carbohydrates that we are trying to focus on. So that's another option. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's too hot or you're too tired to cook something, even doing like cottage cheese with a tomato and some balsamic vinegar and um, fresh herbs on oh. the top is great too. Oh, nice. nice. Okay. <clears throat> so um, Kim wants to know, uh, what's your favorite easy and satisfying snack to make? Well, I have a lot of them, <laughs> but some of the ones I feel like I've already mentioned, which are, you know, um, I, I, I do love the banana cookies. I think that those are 
I feel very healthy when I'm able to eat those, yet I feel like it's fulfilling that sweet craving that sometimes I have. So that's one of the ones that I will grab. Um, like if the pops that are the um, ice cream pops, that's another option that I make. Um, and I'll mix them to a smoothie essentially, or almost like a version of homemade ice cream into those pops. So that's very refreshing, um, especially if you're hot and feeling a little bit dehydrated. Uh, smoothies are another great way of helping you to refuel. Um, sometimes deli meat, I'll get like a deli meat and take a string cheese, grab some veggies, make, make a quick wrap with that lettuce or throw it into a salad. That's another great option. Mm. And then I'm going to ask, this was me yesterday, so um, my older daughter made homemade, very simple peanut butter and oat cookies, um, and I had one with a glass of low-fat milk in the middle of the afternoon, because I had resisted them the evening before. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, on the scale of 1 to 10, like, how bad was that for a mid-afternoon snack? I think that's a great idea. Oh, good. Yeah, I think, you know, whenever you (laughs) compare some protein with some healthy carbohydrates, whether that be produce or um, you had a, you know, like oats, for example, would be another great option. That, that's okay. It's, it's making those modifications when cooking so you don't feel so guilty about the thing that you're eating, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So like if it was a regular calorie-laden cookie that had a lot of saturated fats, butters, oils, things like that, white flours, added sugars, you can't really justify that. Yeah. <laughs> but when it comes to you've made modifications to those cookies and You've, you can say, okay, I've, I can have portion control and I am pairing it with a good protein. I think that that's appropriate. I think it's normal and healthy to be balanced in that regard. Oh, good, because there's still cookies left over. So, <laughs> yeah. um, All right, so let's uh, now move on to questions about nutrients. And this one comes from uh, Phoebe up in New Hampshire. Um, not to be confused with Phoebe, my daughter. Um, so Phoebe just read that spinach is not a good source of iron. And uh, according to what she read, she said the misconception was based on a decimal point error from decades ago. Um, and she says, not that she over relies on spinach, but as a vegetarian, she does always imagine she's covering some good bases when she eats it. So what are some iron suggestions for non-meat eaters? And I have to um, echo this question because um, my Phoebe, my daughter, 15-year-old, um, is vegetarian, and I got to be low iron because of sticking to her vegetarian eating style. Mm-hmm. I think that that's actually interesting. That's one of the reasons why I became a dietitian. Um, I, early on in my life, was a dancer and thought that I could also be a vegetarian, and it was really challenging as a teenager to get enough iron in my diet, especially being kind of a picky eater, mm-hmm. um, maybe not the most health-focused eater. And so um, I ended up with iron deficiency anemia. I felt really fatigued and horrible, mm-hmm. and that wasn't easy for me. I ended up actually reincorporating meat into my diet because it is such a great source of iron. Um, and although you know, spinach is still a, considered a good source of iron, um, you know, we question the absorbability of it. Um, We also look at things like adamame may be a good source, enriched whole grains are another good source, chia seeds. Mm. Um, So those are some of the things that we, that have iron in them. Even things like raisins um, would be something that has iron in it as well. But your nuts um, are a great option, whole grains, green leafy. Nuts have iron in them? A little bit, yeah. Oh, that's good to know. So if we're incorporating a wide variety of foods and we aren't being you know, really picky like I was, you can still get enough iron in, but it is important that we, you know, are aware of 
those food sources and incorporating them on a daily basis into our diet and maybe increasing the volume slightly more than what we were um, prior to being vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So Leah wants to know, um, she was told recently that runners should take in more healthy fats since that's what we're burning on the long miles. And if we don't have healthy fats stored, we'll hold on to fat. Um, is there any truth to that? And then any additional suggestions for healthy fats aside from avocado, nuts, and nut butters? So I think that's a, that is an interesting question. Um, I, I'm trying to figure out where um, she is going with that. And I think what where she was headed with this is that you know, back in the 80s, we went, everyone went on a very low-fat diet. It was kind of the fad diet of those days, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, with that low-fat diet, we weren't getting enough fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K. We weren't getting enough um, good nutrition to promote, like, you know, shiny hair and soft skin <laughs> and all those important things that we use fats for. So fats are a, an important uh, macronutrient, just like proteins and carbohydrates. However... Um, I always say they kind of come along for the ride. They're in a lot of the foods that we eat. They're in, they're in meat. Sometimes they're in dairies like cheeses. Um, you know, sometimes we add them to things like we drizzle oil on something, whether that be some roasted Brussels sprouts or um, a salad dressing. So fats can come along for the ride. So I don't usually make it a big focus of mine to add them into my diet um, more because they do add up very quickly in calories. Um, however, I do think they play an important role in making sure you have a balanced diet. So in having that balance in your diet, I think those avocados, yes, and peanut butters and um, low-fat cheeses are great options. Also, um, hummus is another option. Um, drizzling salad, dressing oil on top of your salad in you know, a small amount is also appropriate, whether that be an olive oil or flaxseed oil or avocado oil. Mm. Okay, so Angela posed an intriguing question, and it uh, reminded me of Bammers, who um, gave me a ton of advice about forswearing eating green veggies in the days leading up to a race. So here's Angela's question. Is there a limit to how much fiber we should be getting from whole grains, fruits, and vegetables each day? Could a person be causing GI stress by eating too many whole grains? That's a, that, I think, is a really um, individualized great question that... Um, sometimes we have to be careful about how much fiber we had because some of us do have sensitive tummies. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but we, it is still important because we want to, you know, prevent colon cancer and we want to prevent disease. And we know that fiber not only makes us feel full, but it also um, helps us to control our weight. So I think doing so in a very methodical way is important. Um, most Americans are on average getting around, a, getting around 11 grams of fiber a day. And so if you know that that's you and you're not eating three cups of veggies and two servings of fruit and several servings of whole grains, then maybe slowly increasing your fiber intake is going to be the key. Um, So don't go gung-ho with, you know, adding a ton of fiber-rich foods right before your next run, but maybe adding one piece of fruit today more than what you were doing the day before or adding an additional cup of vegetables or that extra um, serving of high-fiber whole grain bread. So doing one modification at a time so that you don't have that nasty digestive distress. But the goal for fiber should be between 25 to 35 grams of fiber. Um, For females, I typically say it's around 25 grams of fiber per day. So then you're saying that that the average person is getting less than half of what they need in terms of fiber per day. Yeah, and I think the real mistake comes into play is that 
one day we add a ton of fiber in and the next day we feel pretty miserable. So I think if you're increasing fiber slowly, your body has more time to adapt to it and your digestion gets used to having that fiber around so that you, you don't end up with digestive distress. So um, I wanted to ask a question. Um, Sarah and I have talked about what we eat for breakfast before and um, whether or not we kind of stick to the same thing, Sarah, um, or alternate things. <laughs> and, um, you know, what's your advice on that? Do you think, I mean, just for, for our best shot at getting a lot of different nutrients and things, should we be, um, you know, really shaking things up from day to day? Or is it okay if we kind of have our go-to breakfast that works for us? What's your advice on all of that? That's, uh, I think that's a very personalized kind of question. I have I have to I have to say you have to figure out what works for you. That's going to be key. Um, and so if that means consistency is, and you don't end up getting bored with it, I'm okay with saying continue doing that. But variety we know is really good for yielding different vitamins and minerals and nutrients. And so variety really is best for prevention. Um, however, like I said, consistency is key. So I think it kind of depends on you and what you can incorporate. And it may just mean small tweaks in whatever you're eating. I mean, do you guys mind if I ask what you eat for breakfast? Is that um, something that you'd be willing to share what you're oh, doing consistently? Oh, sure. Because this, Amanda, you're, it definitely did stick with me because I was intrigued to make, you made it sound like you like have like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you have one meal and then Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, you have another. And then whereas, and so I'll let you answer what that is. But then for me, um, I have... Um, whole fat vanilla yogurt um homemade granola and then a fruit cut up and mixed in and right now it is those mangoes that i'm loving champagne mangoes and but sometimes it'll be strawberries or kiwi fruit so so hey i do do vary the fruit that i do but (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and i tend to i i like to um I like a smoothie. Um, just about every other day, I make a smoothie, and I, I kind of I vary up um, some of the greens that I put in it, um, and I put in beets, and I put in chia seeds, and coconut milk, that kind of thing. And then I, on the other days, I like to do um, eggs with some sort of veggie in it, and then I'll do some oatmeal on the side too. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like going back to the chia seeds, I throw some chia seeds in there, <laughs> and maybe some almond um, butter and some milk and that kind of thing. So um, I, I do I do like to vary it to a degree, but also, um, you know, that, that is my go-to combination, I guess, every other day. Yeah. Well, I think that those are all great ideas. I think that, um, you know, if we're doing the yogurt, the granola and the fruit, um, and that may need a little bit more protein in it, just being honest, if I look at the protein Mm -hmm. count. So I would say, you know, add some slivered almonds to the top and see if you can change that up. But I, like I said, I personally think as long as you're eating balanced, consistency is okay um and variety is is really just beneficial for our taste buds and making sure we're getting those vitamins and minerals and nutrients so um if you're doing that later on in the day i think that that's more than appropriate okay my home and i will in defense of my homemade granola it has sliced almonds pepitos and sunflower seeds fantastic Um, okay that sounds yeah. delicious. I'm, I'm, I was a squirrel in another life. you cook for me. <laughs> okay. okay, good, good. I was a squirrel in another life. I love seeds and nuts. So. <laughs> awesome. And uh, and what about Amanda? What's your critique of Amanda's? Because I want to come over and have the eggs with veggies and the uh, oatmeal on the side. I, I think that I think that that sounds really good for me personally. I think that sounds like a really heavy uh, before I were to go out on a run. 
I, like I said, I, oh, let, me, I, let me say it's post run. Oh, I that's post run. Okay. Goodness. <laughs> I was I, like, I, Oh my gosh. And my stomach just felt heavy when you said it, but like, I think that for uh, to each is his own. And so post run, I think that's a, those are great options. And, um, I think, you know, one of the best things that I've done with one of those running friends that I have, um, in the beginning, we were talking about that was we used to swap meals. And so mm-hmm. we would say, okay, you're in charge of cooking, you know, a meal this week. My next friend was in charge of cooking another. And during our exercise classes or our runs, we would do what we called meal swap. And it was a great way of getting outside of our comfort box of what we Mm -hmm. normally cook, the same boring five things. And it also helped us to prep meals. So it got us more involved in meal planning and sticking to healthy home cooked meals. And we did that for five plus years until um, two of the girls moved away. But it was a great way of adding variety because sometimes I think well, the reason why we do consistency is just because it's easy and we know it and it works for us. Um, yeah. But yeah. I well, mean, so I want to, okay, well, both kind of consistent with that. So I think both are good options. Oh, and of course you wouldn't like, <laughs> you wouldn't be critical. So, so maybe <laughs> offline you'll be like, Hey Sarah, you got to mix things up. But, um, and also my, I, that is, Oh, I would be, I would be. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> okay. Good. Okay. So, and I usually, that, that is usually my breakfast after run. I have something smaller beforehand, but that, but I want to hear more about this meal swap. So are you saying that like you would show up at the Zumba class or whatever that you're teaching and your friends would have brought you like black bean you know tortillas or something like you know quesadillas so so we um there's a group of five girls and i taught two to three fitness classes a week and they would all come and so what we would do is after the fitness class we would have these tupperware containers of (laughs) um dinner that we could take home with us and you know so it would be okay here's amanda's dinner from tonight and here's you know jessica's dinner from for tomorrow night and here's <gasps> Kristen's and here's Liza's and so everyone was in charge of cooking a meal for the week so we had five prepped meals for the week yet we were only in charge of cooking once <gasps> and you're making whether that be like a healthy casserole or you know kebabs or something like that you're in charge of cooking it and then separating it out into five containers and then delivering that meal well that's brilliant that's awesome. That yeah. was amazing. And then did you all, like, I'm I assume... So that they moved. Yeah, right. You can't move. No. So, <laughs> so then did, did you all, like, go out and be like, okay, let's buy all the same Tupperware, like, buy, you we know... We did. We uh, bought all the same, like, it was actually Rubbermaid containers that had, like, the glass <laughs> bottom so that if we needed to pop it in the oven or oh refeed gosh. it, that was a great, easy option. And that way, nobody ended up with, like, funky lids to... Oh my gosh. And did you all have different color lids? So like was Liza like yellow and you were blue or just the same? (laughs) No, no, we were, we were just all the same colors. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great idea though. I know it does sound like a great idea. Um, I know a group here in our neighborhood has a soup swap. Um, but I like that. I like combining it with, you know, the workout. Cause if you don't go to your workout, then you wouldn't get your meals. Right. Talk about an incentive. Right. And, and our, our husbands would call it the casserole connection. They would be joking. <laughs> Nobody actually really made casserole. So they'd be like, Oh, how'd your casserole connection go? And, and then, you know, <laughs> but we called it, we called it meal swap because that was, you know, Okay. Better. <laughs> I think casserole clatch because I think I love the word clatch. It's such a bizarro word. So uh, 
<laughs> Let's start at long distance. Um, <laughs> I know that would be great. <laughs> um, so, and I want to circle back uh, for the final question to protein and uh, cause you had hit on it earlier and um, it was, it's been on my mind cause I recently hung out with a friend who was making a concerted effort to eat a lot more protein. And I was surprised and kind of shocked by all the protein packed prepared foods there are. And she also ate a lot, a lot of chilled cooked shrimp, but um, so can you give advice for boosting protein intake and um, also tell us whether it's necessary because um, in terms yeah. of counts. So, so I think that even for clients who are trying to lose weight, like our client that we talked to about earlier who had weight loss surgery, um, you know, it's very common that we need about 60 to 80 grams of protein per day as females. And as athletes, you know, 80, 80 to 90 grams still meets your nutritional needs. So um, that range is a very healthy range for us to stay between. Um, mm -hmm. More is not better. It's like adding more laundry detergent to your clothes. It's not going to get them more clean. So more protein <laughs> isn't going to make you more healthy. Uh -huh. But um, we do want to make sure we're, like I said, breaking up that protein for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and really make sure we're, we're refueling that muscle mass and that metabolism um, and helping out with what's called muscle protein synthesis. Um, that's a mouthful. But mm -hmm. anyways, going back to that, there are a lot of good protein options and protein food sources, whether that be your lean meats, um, whether that be nuts, beans, seeds, um, like soy, like tofu types of products. Those are all great protein options that we can incorporate in a variety of ways. Mm -hmm. um, ex ex excessive amounts of protein are not going to cause kidney damage like we used to think, but it's really, like I said, it's not necessary Mm -hmm. I think it's better to have that balance in your diet of making sure you get enough of all of those macronutrients, mm -hmm. carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. Mm -hmm. Do you see that? I know I said it'd be the last question, but do you see, do you see that trend in the supermarket of having all these protein packed yeah. things? And I'm just like, Oh, and it's interesting because even, um, and I have to be honest, there's one of those items that I have in our household because for breakfast, if my daughter wants pancakes, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's just really carbohydrate laden and not very balanced, even if I add some fresh fruit to it. So we will put, you know, a protein powder into our pancakes to make a, a more balanced option. And they do have those out on the marketplace now. Oh my gosh. My friend there. totally showed me that, um, that she has a bag of it. I forget what brand it was, but she was saying how she loves giving those to her, making pancakes with that to her, yeah. giving it to there's her like kids. There's like Birches and there's, you know, um, Kodiak cakes. And there's, I mean, there are so many different brands that are starting to fortify foods with protein. And so, like I said, I don't think it's necessary. I always try and use regular food as my first line of fuel. However, when you're doing something like pancakes, it can get a little bit challenging unless you're adding peanut butter and syrup to the top. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also, I think, maybe, I think maybe it was also because when I was with my friend, we, um, she's a whole food shopper and we, um, so I kind of got to treat it almost like a museum and just walk around with her and see so much stuff that yes. it's, it's intriguing to me to go sh grocery shopping with someone else because you see, yeah. you, you know, you go down aisles, you don't go down there by, Oh, I didn't know that existed. You know? Absolutely. It's very interesting to see how, um, sometimes different people buy different brands and, and to take that extra minute to look at new brands that are coming out because uh -huh. I think that there's some great new options, whether it be like the higher fiber, higher protein wrap that you might do for lunch because you're a vegetarian or, uh -huh. um, you know, just, just seeing the versatility of foods that are coming out, the options that you have that are more portable because that's where more consumers need help. 
um, the veggies that are already pre-cut up for you, even though it sounds silly. I am so grateful that they came out with cauliflower rice because I hated using my food processor for that. So the next thing they need to do is just start chopping up Brussels sprouts for me and I'll be happy camper. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, it has been fabulous to talk with you, Jessica. I've really learned a lot and I'm going to go look for that dehydrated peanut butter and open that bag of chia seeds that I have oh, in great. my cupboard. Thanks so much. I was, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to connect today. Thanks for the time. Great. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, my gosh, I tell you, is it just me or every time we have a nutritionist on, I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's a great idea. I'm going to totally do that. I'm going to totally do that. <laughs> I know. I know. But can I tell you, so that PB2, I always give the side eye to that because <laughs> I feel like all of the bloggers who probably have eating issues mm. were always promoting that PB2. Oh, <laughs> so. yeah. Okay. So I'm like, I'm like eh, why not just go with regular peanut butter? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, that was just intriguing. I don't know. That was intri- also then sometimes like I've started eating sometimes um, the you know the when you go to Whole Foods or something you can just make your own nut butter you know just like yeah, put the, yeah. oh my oh my gosh because I was on a field trip with another mom who had um had done that with almond butter and it was so tasty and she shared it on the field trip and so I'm like oh, I'm gonna be like be like Laura and do that and wow that stuff's expensive oh, no no <laughs> oh my gosh so so but i am always on the hunt for you know different type of options you know because yeah, I ju- yeah. I ju- you know i know that jiff or whatever skippy has just like so much sugar absolutely yeah yeah so well i felt bad for your voice i felt like having you take breaks it was like oh no oh, well, i felt bad because i i really i thought it was going to be better than it was like when i first got up this morning i was like okay it's better um <laughs> And then it just kept fading. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, uh, let's let's hear how Dimity's sounding. Let's head on over to the Train Like a Mother Club. Hello, hello everybody. It's Dimity here with the Train Like a Mother Club corner with a 5K race report from the Half Marathon Heart Rate Challenge. Um, that'll make sense in a second. It is a, uh, based on the theme of Hamilton. So I thought that we have a couple Hamilton fans around here. So I thought that this race report would resonate for many reasons. Um, It's from Kaylee, and she writes, Someday I'll be fast. Someday I'll be fast. Someday I will be fast. And um, just a quick heads up, this race report is not fast, so hopefully we have another mile to run. That was the mantra I repeated to myself over and over during today's 5K, a replacement for the half marathon that I was unable to run last weekend due to injury. We arrived at the starting line with plenty of time for me to do the warm-up and get into a good place in the starting pack. I intended to go out with a heart rate of about 150 for the first mile, but my heart rate skyrocketed right at the start and I wasn't able to get it into the range I had hoped to. That said, it did regulate, so I was able to adjust my plans and run a safe, strong race. Wait For It from Hamilton came on my iPhone about a mile into the race and I played it a few times. It really resonated with me as I pulled up the rear of the race. It helped me process where I am in my running journey right now. Theodosia writes me a letter every day. This, le- this letter was, I mean, excuse me, this race was all about celebrating the first year of motherhood with Theodore, my son. Someday I'll be fast, but on this day I am the mother of a one-year-old, and that is the most important thing I can be. This is a season of my life, a wonderful season that I am happy to linger in as long as possible, even if it means I am a sloth on the road. Someday I will be fast. Running doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints. It takes and it takes. I did everything I was supposed to do. I did the BOSU and I did the loops. I did the super short strength workouts and I shuffled. I diligently kept my heart rate at 140. 
I only missed one run the entire time. I was able to train. Initially, I was angry, but I'm okay now. These things happen. Someday I will be fast, but today I'm recovering from an injury. We laugh and we cry and we make our mistakes. I'm willing to wait for it. I am the one thing in life I can control. I was passed by an older woman in a fabulous outfit and another woman who was wearing casual sketchers in the beginning of the race. I'm not going to lie. That hurt. I caught them, though, and passed them both during mile two. That women's outfit was seriously awesome. Someday I'll be fast. I'll be able to pass more people. I am not falling behind or running late. I am not standing still. I am lying in wait. Someday I'll be fast, but today I ran a strong race. Despite the 85-degree weather, I ran the entire time without walking. I thought about what I hope to accomplish in the future and the work required to make that possible. I learned what I needed to, and I enjoyed it. My grandfather was a fire and a brimstone preacher, but those are things that homilies and hymns won't teach you. Today I thought about a friend whose son was stillborn two weeks ago. I thought of her this entire run. I reflected on a moment three years ago on this very course where I had to stop because the sound of a siren brought me back to the day I found my mom nearly dead from a suicide attempt. I watched a young girl run through a sprinkler because she didn't care how fast she was running. She just wanted to have fun. I waved to a little old woman sitting in her car watching the runners go by. I thought about how strong I felt, how grateful I was to just be running. Someday I will be fast, but today, running gave me what I needed. Thank you very much for sharing that, Kaylee. Lots of love underneath your post, lots of great perspective, and um, someday you'll be fast, but today you are exactly where you need to be. Have a great week, Bammers, and I will see you next week. All right, so I'm making another plea for you to take our quick survey if you haven't already. It's going to take you, I promise, 10 minutes or less. Personally, I always like answering surveys. I'm intrigued by different questions and like to mull them over for a little bit. But um, it's we're doing this survey so that we can get to know the Another Mother audience, Mother Runner audience better and serve you better and um, just make it a more fulfilling place for everybody involved. So you can find it at our website at anothermotherrunner.com slash survey. Again, that's anothermotherrunner.com slash survey. Uh, we're going to have it open for least a couple more days so uh, maybe hustle on over though and uh, we really thank you in advance for doing that our podcast is a member of the ACAST network and our show today was produced in Portland Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures many happy miles to you